Hello and welcome to the American Dream Podcast, where we find people from all walks of life who show us that anything is possible as long as you set your heart and your mind to it. I'm your host, Humble. That's humble, like the adjective. Today's dreamer is Ku Agenti, a stand-up comedian based in Houston, but originally from Lagos, Nigeria. He's performed across the country, and I'm just really excited to share this interview with him uh, because I've known Ku for a while now, and he's one of my favorite comics, and he's just a great guy on and off stage. Lots of people know him as your favorite African, and if he isn't yours just yet, he will be after this episode. We had to reschedule our interview a couple of times, actually, uh, just because of scheduling conflicts or internet issues, and I ended up just interviewing Ku over the phone instead of Zoom like we initially planned, but it worked out in the end. You can catch Ku performing in Houston on November 26th, where he'll be recording his second comedy album uh, at The Secret Group. Make sure you give him a follow on his Facebook page at Your Favorite African. That's your with a you are, not a your at your favorite African uh, on Facebook and please also subscribe to this podcast whenever on whatever platform you listen to. You can also follow us on Instagram at the American dream underscore podcast. That's the American dream one word underscore podcast. And if you or someone you know is a dreamer, then send us a DM. We'd love to have him on the show. Anywho, here's Ku Agenti. Okay, now we are live. <clears throat> so, Koo, finally, we can talk. I'm so sorry about this whole nonsense, man. It's been no a... No problem, man. It's okay. You have a, you in Afghanistan, so I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's crazy over here. <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff happened over there, so I get it. I get it. <laughs> so... Um, I've been really excited. I've been really excited to interview you just because, you know, we've known each other for a while, but, um, now we get to actually talk about your work, but before we get into that, tell me a little about your childhood. I know, you know, you grew up in Nigeria. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Tell me about your child. Tell me about the guy that touched you. Who tell me that uncle that touched you when you was a kid? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a weird, I never understood that concept with Mexico. Tell me about your childhood. Was it dramatic? Uh, did you, did you, was you, did you, did you fall in a cave and become Batman? Oh, no, that's actually Bruce Wayne. I'm Nigerian. I'm cool. No, uh, childhood was, uh, good. Uh, raised by a single mom, raised four kids. Uh, that was really around. So I just always found comedy or making people laugh very for me. And I was always like a class clown and just a neighborhood funny guy and just make people laugh and just, it was just pretty much how my childhood was. It's pretty, I think I had a normal childhood, apart from having a dad, but I thought it was normal. Then I realized that I go to people's houses, they have a dad and a mom, and I go, okay, all right. So I guess I'm the best of one. These guys are the good people. All right, got it. No, we, but I think I had a good childhood. I think my childhood was pretty good. Well, it sounds well, like you like to cut up a little bit. Did you always get in trouble for making people laugh, or what was an everyday thing for you growing uh, up? I made the bullies laugh. That's how the bullies didn't fight me because I would I would make them laugh and they'd be like, oh, this guy. <laughs> all my bullies are Italian. Oh, this guy. Come here, this guy. This guy. Kuwait Jitsi. Big funny guy. I don't know what all my bullies are. I didn't, know, I didn't know they had Italians in Lagos. <laughs> I didn't know that either because I, just, I like to have all my bullies like Tony Soprano. Like, oh, this fucking guy. Make me laugh. All right, come on. Hey, Opa, forget about it. No, I, I was just making... I just made my, 
my bullies laugh and I, if I make my bullies laugh, I was like, okay, if I can make this guy laugh, I know I can make anybody laugh. And that's how I just became the, the funny guy, you know? And, but it, after a while, it was just like, I was like, am I getting used or whatever? But I didn't care. <laughs> I just need people to love me. So I, I really had daddy issues. That was the thing. I think that's what my comedy is really for. My comedy is really for me not having a dad around. So I'm always trying to get that uh, constant gratification, you know? So that's most comics anyway. They, they try to get that constant gratis- gratification from the crowd and from the audience and from people. So that's that's where that comes from, you know? So that's that's how I became a center comic. I just always chasing that dragon of always being reminded you're good at something, you know? So, yeah, well, and... You know, making people laugh versus actual stand-up comedy is a different art form in and of itself. So what was your first exposure to, like, stand-up comedy? Like, what made you – what did you see that made you go, that's what I want to do? Oh, yeah. My first exposure, I'll never forget. It was, like, I was eight years old, eight, nine years, and I got to see Raw. I watched Raw on TV. My uncle had a VSS tape of of Raw. Eddie Murphy. Remember. Suit that guy in a purple suit, man, yeah. getting on stage, and he just looked like the black Elvis to me. He was just like he walking up there, <laughs> he's doing impressions, and I, mean, I just he just Eddie Murphy was just like everything. He's still everything, you know. He was he was like basically my uh, introduction to the world of stand up comedy, you know. So yeah, I I pretty much own everything to uh, I owe everything to uh, Eddie Murphy because Eddie Murphy was my my bridge, you know. He was the introduction to everything. So yeah, so raw. Comedy special was the first thing I watched. It was like, okay, whatever he's saying, people are laughing. How do I get that? <laughs> and so then, how did your your own comedy career start? So my comedy career started when I moved to Memphis. When I moved to Memphis, Tennessee, uh, I moved there in uh, two thousand and five. End of two thousand five, my son was born like two weeks before Katrina. And uh, we used to live in New Orleans. And uh, so my son's mother was like, hey, I don't want to go to Houston. So I want to go back to Memphis where I'm from. And so I moved to Memphis with me with them. And that's how I ended up starting comedy. I started comedy in 2007 at a comedy club called Comedy 10. It's no longer there, but RIP Comedy 10. That was my, uh, that was my school. That's why I first got on stage. And that's what Kooli Jinti was born on that stage. You know. Well, so what was that first time on the stage like? T- take us through that. First time on stage was crazy, you know. I remember uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, remember I did like a, 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 a I, I invite all my coworkers for work. I was like, I'm doing comedy, like like a, like a superstar. Like, yeah, I'm doing comedy. I have to come so, come watch me in. And I realized, holy shit, I'm inviting so many people from work. What if I bomb? What if I suck? I got to go back to work the next day. And I'm like, ah. So I just remember just being really drunk and just going on stage and just talking about a whole bunch of stuff. But I remember one of my jokes that I did that did well, and I was like, you always remember your first. So I remember that one joke, and I go, oh, that joke went well. And I got off stage, and my coworkers was like, hey, man, you're real funny. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. Like, then I bombed like a horrible death the next week. <laughs> Because cool. I was like, I guess I'm going to be drunk every time and do stand-up. And I was like, no, you got to have jokes, player. So. And so was comedy at first, it was like a part-time thing. When did it become full-time? Uh, it became full-time when I had no idea else to do. I got fired. I used to, be a, I used to sell cars. It was a full-time car sale. And I got fired in 2015. Uh, I got fired in 2015. 
And this is and, when you were in Houston at this point. Yes, I got fired in 2015. I worked for Don McGill Toyota. He fired me, and uh, and I said, "I right, fuck it. I guess I'm just going to be a full time comic." And I've been full time ever since for the last six years. So yeah, the simple makes six years of me being a full time comic. Yeah, I can't imagine that was like an easy thing for you, an easy decision for you to make. No, it was. It was petrifying. You know, it was super scary at the time. I was like, because I didn't know what to expect, you know, but I mean, then I saved a couple of money. I saved a couple of uh, cash in my account so I could take that chance, you know, but yeah. And at the time I was living with my mom too, so I didn't really have that much bills to pay. So I was like, right, I guess I'll be a full-time comic and I've never looked back ever since. I've been grinding ever since. How's your son liking that? My son loves it. He loves it. At first I was worried about if he's going to respect, uh, his dad as a comic, but no, he he's proud of me. I remember one time I, I remember I one time I dropped him off because he lives in Louisiana. He lives in Slidell, and I had like all black on, black shirt, black pants, black shoes, and black shades on. And I, I dropped him off at his house, and uh, one of his homeboys pulls up in front of the car on a skateboard. I think he was on a bike. He was on a bike. Anyway, he pulls up in front of the car, and he was like, "What's up, Chris?" He's like, "What's up, dude?" And they talk, and, and I get out of the car, and he looks me up and down. And he goes. Hey, what did your dad do? Is he a rapper? And my son was like, nah, he's a comedian. <laughs> right, I was so proud. I was like, the first time I heard my son just describe me as a comedian, he was like, nah, he's a comedian. And then he says this, well, tell me a joke. And I was like, well, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> what I should have told him was, your dad ain't your real dad. That's what I should have said. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I, I didn't want to do it. So I didn't want. I didn't want to. I didn't want him to be. Uh, what do you call it? I didn't want him to go to the therapist behind me, so I didn't tell. Him. <laughs> well, so like, uh, you know, my mother's an immigrant, so I can't imagine like. Hold up! I'm shocked. You named Muhammad. Nah. Get the hell out of here. No, nah, you know what I'm trying to say. I, I, I don't. <laughs> but you know, for us going in, going into a field like an art field that kind of career it's not something that they would take lightly but was right. your mom but was your mom supportive or what was she what was her response to it all my mom was mass supportive i will say that my mom was mass supportive again she she knew me from a child as just being a funny kid so when i remember i told my mom i was gonna do stand-up she looked at me like yeah she, i was i was so Petrified to tell about this dad because I didn't want to disappoint her, you know, because you know what I'm talking about. Foreigners are very big on education and mm -hmm. master degrees and all that stuff. So I was like, I was super scared to tell her. She was literally, she couldn't be more supportive. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, all right, let's go. So when I got my validation from my mom and my son, I was like, I, I think I'm up to something. So if I bomb every, if I bomb now forever, I'm like, yeah, but my mom and my son love me. <laughs> there I'm you go. Mom. I'm fine. <laughs> but my my family thinks I'm cool. <laughs> right, my family thinks I'm cool. You guys, there's thousands of people. You guys don't get comedy, but my mom and my son gets my comedy. So fuck you guys. <laughs> See, I, I'm the opposite. My siblings don't give a fuck what I do. They're like, "You were? What do you do? Oh, you probably just get people coffee." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, uh, your, siblings, your siblings are always gonna be dicks to you anyway. That's your siblings because they have that rivalry. So my, my my brother, my sisters, they 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 get that I do comedy. Uh, but at first, it wasn't welcome. At first, they thought I was wasting my time. But after when they start coming to my shows and obviously see me do well, they was like, "All right, you you really do this." I'm like, "Yeah." Are you the youngest? 
No, no, no. I'm the second oldest. Oh, see, I'm the youngest, so I can't. I can identify with that. <laughs> but, but as, but as the old, as the second eldest, you still have like some sort of level of responsibility. They have, they look up to you um, for that. Absolutely. <clears throat> my, my, my brother looks up to me, but I look up to him because he's the, he's actually computer graduate. He has a house. He has beautiful kids. He's married. So I look up to. He's my hero. Just don't tell him that. But. <laughs> I really look up to him, you know. He looks up to me, but I look up to him because he's doing everything that I don't want to do, yeah. but he's doing it better than me, and that's and that's pretty awesome. Because I don't see myself being with a whole bunch of kids and living in a big ass house with a big yard. No, that's not me. I'm I'm pretty much I'm a rebel. Yeah. I'm pretty much, I'm kind of like a searcher. That if it makes any word, I'm always trying to find the next high per se. Yeah. So, I can't stay confined to one area or so. I get that. So, so my girlfriend that I'm dating now, she's the same way. She wants to travel the world with me and all that stuff. So that's, I got a perfect person to do that with, you know, so that's pretty cool. Hell yeah. So you started out in Tennessee, then you moved to Houston. I didn't know that you had performed outside of Texas. So where else have you performed? I performed in Atlanta. I performed in Chicago, L.A., uh, New York, uh, Mississippi, I've been Mississippi, I've been Arkansas. Uh, I want to do more West Coast because I've been done San Francisco, I've been done Sacramento. I want to do more of the West Coast trip like Portland and Seattle. I've done none of the places I want to. I just want to do that. That's for sure. That's one of my goals is to hit the western part of the world. But the major cities in America I've done, like obviously Dallas and. Chicago, New York, and LA. I've done that. I've done the markets, but I want to. I want to. I want to spend my rides in more the West Coast area and see how that is on the West Coast. So, what's the dream stage for you, though? The dream stage, like this, is where you want to perform. That's when you like, like that's the goal, I guess. Uh, I don't know if I have a dream stage. My goal. Uh, people say, "Oh, I want to be famous." I mean, and have mansions and flashy cars. And stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see that being a future for me. I just want to do stand up and make a nice little amount of money and take care of my family. And I want to be traveling. My goal is to travel every weekend to some city to tell my little dick jokes. That's the goal. The free weekend, I'm doing some comedy club or some arena or some theater. That's the goal for me. It's just to do that consistently. That's what I want. So that's beautiful, man. And so, what's life in comedy been like for you? Have the, what are some of the challenges that you wouldn't mind telling us about that you faced? I mean, with everything, there's gonna be challenges. I mean, anything worth having is worth fighting for. So you're gonna go to ups and downs and bumps and bruises and stuff like that. But I um, probably the main challenge is just being a minority in comedy because it's harder for. Uh, a black comic to break through because it's kind of gets frustrated sometimes when you see a, a, a white comic and he's doing shows and is on TV and stuff like that. Oh, I'm better than that guy. But I really like, Oh shit, that's right. You're still black. So, so that's the, the hurdle of being a black person in America is like, yes, it is racism. And yes, there is a uh, nepotism and there is of uh, favoritism and stuff like that. So, so pretty much you got this, basically, when you're black, you got to work twice as hard as a white person. 
and that's true. So with me, I have to work twice as hard as a white person to stand out when I'm again when I'm doing show because I want to come back and do that room again. So it's just it's, that's the hurdle. I have to be twice as good as a white person. And on top so, on top of that hurdle, you've got immigration right there too. Got immigration and stuff like that. But at the same time, I will say this on the flip side: me being your favorite African, I've, your favorite African thing has taken me to a lot of places that I probably would have not gone to if I wasn't African. If I was maybe an African American black person, I probably wouldn't be uh, doing some of these shows. But since I go by your favorite African, that do help me a little bit because that stands out. Because some people be like, his name is uh, it's is it he was a but I think it goes by your favorite African when they say that. It's like, oh, you're about who you did. So your favorite African kind of helps me get notoriety a little bit. It sounds like you kind of embraced that part of you then and not made it so much an obstacle by calling yourself uh, your favorite African. Yeah. Some people might think that is genius. Some people might call that egotistic. I don't know. I I, I like to think it's a little bit of both, you know, but <laughs> hell. I love it. I like. I like. I have, I have white people go. I can't say you're my favorite because that would be racist. I'm like, no. Just picture like say your favorite color. You have a favorite color, right? Like, yes. I'm just like your favorite color, but I'm your favorite African. That's what it is. Where did that come and from, by the way? <laughs> where, where did that come from, by the way? Your favorite African. Your favorite African. So I was doing this open mic at Sherlock's. This is like 2002. Is that in Houston or where is that? In Houston, yeah, yeah. They used to call they used to be called a Last Stop. Okay. It became Sherlock. So Last Stop used to be like a famous comedy club right here in Houston. And uh, Louis Black recorded his comedy album there. Uh, 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 Mitch Hepburn recorded his comedy album there, and Bill Hicks recorded his comedy album there. So it's a very legendary comedy club. But they went out of business. It was bought by this bar called uh, Sherlock. So they owned it, and they started doing open mics there. And uh, I realized on Monday nights, they were like maybe literally over like 50 some comics trying to perform. Damn. So I was like, holy shit, what, what can I do to stand out? Because they see so many comics in one night. So I just started doing all my African bits. I started doing all my Nigerian jokes, and they started doing well. And I remember this white boy, I can't remember his name. He walks up to me, he goes, hey man, you're really funny. And I go, oh, thank you. And they're like, you're my favorite African. I was like, I was like, say that again? He goes, you're my favorite African. And I was like, man. It's kind of like sound, and I just ran with that. I just ran with your favorite African, and just became it became his own thing. Now you guys all know life force. That's his own little thing. See, I don't know how I'd feel if somebody told me I was their favorite Muslim. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be like, "Thank you," but that, that, that is, it's a compliment, but it's weird. Kind of, but it's yeah, kind of compliment. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's one of those. I, I wouldn't even say it's a backhand compliment. It's a compliment, but it's a weird... It's a compliment, but it's, it's weird. But like I tell people, everybody's a favorite movie. Everybody's a favorite color. Everybody has a favorite car. So you're just their favorite African. No, that's a good point. Yeah. So how do you keep yourself, how do you keep yourself motivated? Because you've been doing this since 2015, so like seven years. No, I've been doing this since uh, 2007. Oh, I'm sorry. So you've been doing this for... Almost 14 years then? I can't do math. 14 years, yeah. June made 14 years, yeah. Been doing it for 14 years, yes. And how do you keep yourself motivated to keep on going? Uh, daddy issues, Amanda. Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> you're, a, you're a horrible interviewer, by the way. You can't <laughs> interview yourself. Like I told you, daddy issues. I can't imagine that's the only thing. <laughs> no, it, you, 
daddy issues has a part of it. I don't know. I just, I, I, I told my girlfriend this yesterday. I, I feel like I'm not getting anything else. I feel like uh, I have a talk show that I host. I have a talk show called Standard Revolty, but I just feel like I'm not getting anything else but in this realm of funny. I think I, in funny, I think I, I, I think, I think I know how to do that. Hmm. So I don't know anything else but that. What am I be a plumber? You know, I just, <laughs> it's okay. it's just, you know what I mean? I'm old. I'm forty years old. So I'm like, I'm. I know that this in this realm, I can do something with that. So yeah, that's why I keep going. And 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 for the most part, people enjoy it. So why not keep going? You know. If young Ku was to meet you now, what do you think their reaction would be? And like, what would you say to yourself? Uh, use kind of. Uh, no, I no. probably, <laughs> probably say uh, don't don't sweat the little stuff. Stay grounded and um, let's drink it. That probably would be because I drank a lot the first first four years of me doing comedy. I did a lot of drinking. I probably wish I shouldn't. I should have been more uh, astute to my craft, but I wasn't. I was more drinking a lot. So, yeah, if a younger Ku saw me now, he'd be like, yeah, I would tell myself, hey, look, less drinking, uh, don't sweat the little stuff, keep your head down, and just keep running. Do you think he'd, he'd be proud to see the man you are now? Or do you think uh, he wouldn't believe you? Proud, but I think he'd probably be like, hey, not bad. You think he'd Not believe you? Would he what? Would you think he'd believe you if you were to tell him, like, hey, man, you know, some years from now, you're going to move to the States and you're going to be just like Eddie Murphy or you're going to. Oh, absolutely not. He won't believe you. That's, that's just, that's exactly, that's what, that's the beauty of my life, I'm at. It's like, you never know what, what the future holds. You just, you just live it moments to moments and day by day. And that's what I'm here for. So I, I would never imagine me doing stand up. I would never. Dude, it's crazy how comedy has brought me so much joy and so much pain at the same time. I, I, it's been a, a, a nice run. And if I saw myself when I was 12 years old, well, hell, eight years old watching Eddie Murphy, I'd be like, yeah, one day you'd be doing exactly that thing. I'm like, what? Get out of here, you know? But yeah, it's, it's a thing. I'm, doing, I'm, in, I'm in the field. I'm, I'm doing stand-up. I mean... For the most part, people know who I am in Houston and certain parts of the country. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool, you know. Well, so in addition to stand-up comedy, you mentioned that you have your own talk show. What all do you have going on? Other than a talk show? Yeah, like, something? in other words, how can people uh, follow you and tune in? Yeah, they can, they can follow me on my personal page and just type in Koo, first name K-U, last name E-G-E-N-T-I, Koo E-G-E-N-T-I. And then you can follow my talk show called Standing Room Only. Uh, it's pretty cool, huh, man? Because we're celebrating our one-year anniversary, November 3rd. Uh, that's going to be crazy because uh, I remember when we started the talk show and now it's almost a year now that we've it's, it's been going on and it's been consistent. So I, I'm, I'm pretty proud about that because usually I get bored about stuff really fast and I'm not bored yet, so that's pretty good. So I'm now, I'm now a talk show host, so that's... Still, a, still weird to say that loud. Who's a talk show host on a Facebook show? Comedian <laughs> slash talk show host. You also have your own podcast, no? Like belly dancer. <laughs> you also have a podcast too, don't you? 
don't have the podcast no more. No more. Okay. Well, so I just have the talk show on Facebook. That's still cool. What what other up? What are some of the upcoming shows that you got that people should be on the lookout for? Oh uh, well, hopefully you come with your girl. Are you coming? Oh, November twenty sixth. Try and stop me. Yeah. All right. Come. Come through, man. I sent you the link. November twenty sixth. I'll be headlining. I'll be recording my comedy album out there in the secret group. It's a very very super cool venue. Uh, November twenty sixth. I'm recording my second comedy album. Uh, the first album is on Spotify, all music, not streaming sites. If you want to listen to my first album, it's called Your Favorite African. Shocker. But uh, it's called Your Favorite African. And I'm recording my second album, November 26th. Show starts at 8. Tickets are only $10. You can get your tickets at www.thesecretgrouphtx.com for only $10. And it's $15 at the door. So it's cheap right now because I want to sell that sucker out. So get your tickets right now. Buy we'll your make tickets. it happen. It comes to see me November 26th. It's Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, but I like to call it Coup Friday because I need to go stuff. So I love it. <laughs> it would be awesome, yes. Anything else you want to add before we end this? Uh, just be good to people, you know? Be good to people. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm praying for the, 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 the immigrants that came through here in the border in Del Rio, the Haitians. Uh, pray for the country of Haiti right now and mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. I don't know if you saw the news about that, but that's uh, crazy to see uh, how mistreated they were by the border uh, patrols officers out there. It was wrangling people with ropes like they were dogs and cattle. I don't know if you saw videos and pictures. It's pretty gruesome. So I did. Yeah, I, I felt really disgusted about that, and just yeah, just praying for the people of Haiti, and hopefully uh, they can get some asylum and uh, try to make something good about themselves here in America. You know, because Americans is we are we are all immigrants. We all came from somewhere, even the white people. Most don't, let the, don't let the white people tell any all that bullshit. They, they come from somewhere else. <laughs> Most Jeff. Yeah. All right, man. Always a pleasure. Oh yeah, yes sir. Always. Thank you again for listening to the American Dream podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed sharing it with you. Making this podcast is a dream that is now a reality, and I hope the stories will resonate with you and inspire you to set out your own positive goals in life. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast through whatever platform you're listening to, and follow us on Instagram at the American Dream underscore podcast, and share this with your loved ones. Until next time, folks, good night. <laughs>